0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 425, Comic Reviews of the Week of Wednesday, November the 9th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 425. It's our reviews episode where we take a look at some of the selected releases from the week of Wednesday, November the 9th. Uh, This episode is going up later than expected. It's actually November the uh, 18th now, so uh, I know what you're thinking. We are not talking about comics from the 9th anymore. I'm going to say nay. Nay the nay. We're going to go back to the ninth, and take a look at some of the releases 10 of them for instance or for example I should say uh, and then we're going to uh, talk about some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about next week on the reviews episode once hopefully the show uh, kind of hits a, a regular schedule again uh, the past few weeks it's been a little I'm going to use a weird word higgledy-piggledy uh, but we're going to be back to a regular um Uh, timeline coming up so let's take a look at some of the comics that came out this week why don't we uh first up we have action comics this is issue 967 uh this is written by uh, dan jurgens artwork by tyler kirkham um what i really like about this is that we first of all it's got some great clark and um and john moments as well as some great lois moments Uh, she interacts with lex Luthor, so that's some big pluses there but what we also get here is uh, a bit of a follow-up on uh, the whole lex kind of Reclaiming or taking over the throne of Darkseid um, that happened at the end of Darkseid War. Um, so it's kind of very over, not overdue, but it's nice to kind of have them go back to something that it's interesting that that was the, I guess, the last major New 52 storyline. And then once that happened, uh, the Side War, then we had Rebirth happen. And then it's interesting to go back and read it because it feels so of its time. Like it's only, it hasn't even been that long. But rebirth is just feels like such a tonal shift for so many characters. Plus, obviously, the new Fifty Two Superman died um, uh, in you know right before rebirth happened, as uh, in the death of the. I don't even forget what the, the storyline was called, but they killed off that version of Superman, and he was obviously a very big character in. That storyline, so it's very interesting to kind of see what's going on, and it, it, it's an interesting way of kind of bridging uh, two different eras. Even though you know, in terms of how many months it's been, it really hasn't been that long at all. Um, so it's an interesting kind of perspective to look at. Um, I actually really enjoyed the artwork by Tyler Kirkham. I think he's definitely you know continues to improve, and there's a, a great sense of vibrancy to his artwork here. Um, I like the way he uh, he illustrates John, for example. I think he really kind of imbues the character with Uh, hopefulness, um, youth, excitement. Um, I guess the only thing I would say about his Superman is that Superman almost looks a little young. I like it when they have Superman looking a little bit older. uh, Him having a bit of that that kind of, I don't know, that lived in feel that he looks like someone who's been through a lot, who has kind of come out the other end, who's um, now has a family. Like it's a certain, a certain sensibility, and I think Dan Jurgens kind of put it best when we actually had him on the show recently, where he was talking about how, you know, Spiderman is the teenager, he's the kid, um, so it's weird for some people to see him grow up. But Superman was always kind of this patriarchal figure, so him actually physically being a father kind of makes sense. It's kind of like how with Batman, no one ever really bats an eye about him having Damon Wayne, because he always had sidekicks. He was basically a father figure already, so it's it's not even it's not a stretch at all. With Superman, he was kind of a father to everyone in the DC Universe because of his kind of status as being, you know, kind of not the older statesman per se, because obviously in the pre-New 52 you had the Justice Society, etc., but he definitely had that, that sensibility of being being, you know, the the patriarchal superhero. Um, So I really like when we have him looking and feeling like that. Um, The script obviously really sells it. Um, I just wish the artwork maybe hit on that point a little bit more. Uh, Overall, though, I thought it was a good issue. Uh, It's nice to kind of bring, again, these two eras together, and I'm interested to see where they're going to go from here. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, Next up we have um, All New X-Men. This is issue number 15. Um, This is by Dennis Hopeless and our work by Mark Bagley. Um, I am enjoying this. I I feel like I missed where somehow, um, I guess, Madeline Pryor comes back. But otherwise, uh, it's a good issue. We have a lot of, you know, demons and X-Men fighting demons. You have uh, some good stuff with uh, Cyclops and Hank as well, kind of teaming up. Um, You know, the idea that he's been messing with forces he really shouldn't be messing with. Uh, and how the rest of the team is gonna feel about that. Um, maybe not a lot of you know necessary like uh, character progression per se. Although there is some with with Cyclops and uh, and Beast, but it does feel like a bit of a lighter issue. Uh, we have a lot of fighting, um, maybe not as necessarily feeling like it's as much of consequence, but it definitely feels like we are starting to kind of move things along. Um, and I am enjoying Cyclops kind of being not quite who he was, just because he's been kind of taken out of action with having his injuries that he suffered at the hands of the Toad. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Uh, Bagley's artwork remains, you know, very enjoyable. I especially liked... The way he makes uh, Beast look kind of grizzled, like he's really kind of been through the ringer lately. Uh, we've got All-Star Batman number four, which I'm just not really digging. It's by Scott Snyder, artwork work by uh, John Romita Jr. Um, John Romita Jr.'s artwork is actually fairly good, um, although at times a little static. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of the story. The story isn't really... Um, you know, sucking me in or or really kind of gathering my attention Uh, here. I'm just, I I didn't find myself that interested in what was going on. Um, And and at times the artwork felt like it was not lazy, but it just felt like we're we're supposed to see like a massive gunfire and it's supposed to be like this very dangerous field and uh, Batman's really pushing himself to the limit. And I thought the artwork was almost, again, a little static, not quite as fluid. It didn't really sell me on uh, the inherent danger of the moment. Uh, maybe and that's probably because of the static kind of feeling that I didn't really feel like a lived-in um, uh, action sequence. So I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. I'm just I'm actually think I'm being more charitable than I need to be. I just I'm not really digging it. Um, I really liked Snyder's stuff before, but maybe it was really that combination of him and um, Greg Capullo really was the secret ingredient there. Because I think him with other artists thus far hasn't really sold it for me as well. Uh, next up is Avengers 1.1. Uh, this, I dug, although it does feel like it's kind of going in a familiar space because we've seen these types of stories where we have uh, Captain America kind of dealing with kind of taking over the team and having this weird team of, of uh, former villains uh, as, as the new group of Avengers. We kind of got to see a little piece of what that would have looked like in Earth's Mightiest Heroes uh, by, was it Joe Casey? Um, and I think Scott Collins. That was a great book. Um, this I, I, I'm, I'm willing to give a bit of the uh, um, I don't know I, I like what Mark Wade's trying to do I just at times thought it was a little I don't know the way that Captain America was written with felt a little off-putting to me. I I feel like I kind of get how the rest of the Avengers are acting. It kind of makes sense there. Um, It's just something about the way Captain America was kind of addressing everyone. I wasn't quite sure if I really liked that. Uh, Barry Kitson, on artwork, though, absolutely kills it. Um, I'm going to give it a 7 so far. I think it's good. It's not great so far. Uh, I love the art. I I just don't think the script is quite there, although I think near the end of the issue, I was really kind of starting to feel it a little bit more so i'm really excited to read future issues because i do think this is going to end up being a really solid miniseries i just don't necessarily think that the big the first issue was you know necessarily that great kind of grabbing my attention but uh, i'm pretty you know sure that mark way is going to be able to really pull out all the stops and make this a a memorable miniseries so i'm not really concerned about it uh next up is now what a title an amazing spider-man event dead no more the clone conspiracy by dan slott and jim chung um i love the art i think jim chung's artwork is absolutely gorgeous uh i really did not know what to think of the story like there's a lot of monologuing here there's it there's some forward momentum but i don't know it just it felt weird and i think part of what felt weird is that um it's like part of the story is kind of intimate where this idea that the jackal's going to give spider-man Everyone's, everyone lives, basically. So he's like, you, you know, you've been beating yourself up for the idea that, you know, you don't want to let anyone die. Well, what if people can't die? What if all your failures can be reversed? What if we can bring all these people back? Whether they be villains or heroes, what if we can bring everyone back and do good with it? Um, that part, it feels like a kind of a personal story that really kind of stabs at a part of what Peter is, like he doesn't want to trust miles warren but at the same time like there's something inherently kind of attractive about the idea that people live and he's had so many failures throughout his life and we don't always realize how many of it the spider villains have died so that part's really cool um but then you also have the idea that you're just kind of throwing Kane in who hasn't been seen in a long time and it feels very out of nowhere um you have, you know, kind of a mystery of who he's talking to, and then that gets revealed throughout the issue. Um, but it just feels like, I thought this was going to be a very kind of personal story, and then it kind of goes a little bit extra crazy because Kane's coming back and he's been traveling from another earth and we realize that the Gwen Stacy here is actually Spider-Gwen, which brings up a whole lot of other questions as to how she can even pull this off because they haven't really ever made her look this old. Uh, Not that Gwen Stacy looks old, but Spider-Gwen's always been portrayed to be a little bit younger. Um, So somehow she was able to fool people into thinking she was Gwen, which is kind of crazy that that even was able to happen for even a minute. Um, Just given some, like, Miles Warren, you'd think he would notice, but I don't know. It just felt weird that we're bringing in kind of these spider-versal aspects of what Dan Slott's done with Spider-Man, and those have been the parts I haven't been as big a fan of because they felt very plot heavy and not necessarily character heavy. And I feel like we're going right back there, which is really upsetting. And there's not really a lot of things that really go down here. I mean, there's three more issues left. So we're forty percent done this mini series. Uh the first issue kinda sets things up and then this issue continues to set things up and now we get the idea that, you know, um Kane is trying to stop something because uh in all these other worlds, uh Parker Industries is kinda teamed up with New You and Bad Things Have Happened, which we then get more of an expansion on, is in Amazing Spider-Man, which is really just a series of backup stories now. Like, Amazing Spider-Man is a glorified tie-in. Not even a tie-in, it's just backups to explain things happening in the main event, which it bugs me a little that you really need to have... A series just explaining stuff that you're kind of setting up in the main series because you didn't want to take the time to really explain it in the main series. That's the way it ends up feeling, even though I understand the concept that he's trying to use Amazing Spider-Man to flesh things out. But it just bugs me when you know Amazing Spider-Man shoot the flagship book, and here it's now just kind of playing the also ran to this limited series, which is you know of varying degrees of quality. Uh, I'm gonna give this issue maybe a. I'm gonna give it a six. The artwork is gorgeous. The story is just not quite working. Uh, there's a few things missing. Some some aspects are kind of there, but again, it just it feels fails to truly resonate as much as it should, uh, and as much as it could, to be honest, it could resonate more. Uh, next up is Daredevil. Uh, this is issue number thirteen. Um, really enjoying this this has been really enjoyable uh it's creepy it's powerful it's called it's called dark art by charles sewell and ron garney um this inhuman character is super creepy um i like how you know blind spots trying to go after him um i'm interested to see kind of where they go from here what happens next um yeah and the artwork by garney is just fantastic it's creepy it's moody uh there's just uh i'm I'm such a big fan of this uh the sensibility he brings into his artwork really, you know, kind of drives home the point of the how dark the story can be. Yes, it's very different from what Mark Way did, and I, I do miss that version of Daredevil, but there's a place in my heart for this, too. <laughs> um, there's just something really attractive in how uh, these stories are being written. We're not still not understanding a lot of, you know, why why Matt Murdock is in this place, and uh, at times we're just kind of moving plots along and doing good stories, but not really getting as deep into the characterizations as I think we were before. Before, um, prior to this launch. Um, doesn't mean it's a bit, not a good issue, though, because it definitely is. And again, the artwork continues to really thrill and entertain. So I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. Uh, next up is Flash. This is issue number 10. Um, it's all right. I mean, it's not great. Uh, it's heard by Josh Williamson. Uh, artwork by uh, Felipe Watanabe. Uh, the, the artwork by Botonovie we actually did enjoy, although we've had so many artists lately. Um, there's aspects of it I really liked. I thought the parts where uh, Wally was kind of the front front and center in terms of the characterization I thought was really strong. Uh, Barry actually is a, a character I think that is not well served by this art, and neither is Iris. But there's something about the way that Wally was written here, or sorry, illustrated, I should say, that I thought was really vibrant and really exciting, and I really liked How Wally looked in the costume and the way that Wally was written. Flash was good too, but just when he took off that costume, I wasn't a big fan of the way that Barry was written. Um, I'm sorry, illustrated. Uh, I do like the overall story though, that, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's basically doing kind of a retread with a modern retelling of the classic kind of story of. Um, Kid Flash, you know, becoming Kid Flash, learning how to use his powers, but not really knowing why Flash won't tell him his identity and kind of dealing with Barry and, Wal- and Iris kind of trying to look after him and be a little bit too protective. We've seen this before. We saw this in the what 50s, 60s, uh, and in like kind of flashback stories that uh, like, uh, I guess Kid Flash year one type things that Mark Waid did back in the day. And now we're getting this again, just this new version of Wally West, but it's not being written in a substantially different way. So we've kind of gotten this before, but it's, you know, it, it has its moments and of enjoyableness if that's that's not a word at all but it does have its moments um barry is definitely struggling with a lot after the last arc i enjoyed it more than i didn't i'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten it's not quite great Eh, maybe a seven Uh, i think it could be better but i think it's definitely at least on solid footing and it can improve from here uh next up is spider-man deadpool uh this is issue number 11 Uh, This is written by... Oh, you know what? I was not a huge fan of this. Uh, This is guest starring Penn and Teller. Uh, It's written by Penn Gillette. Artwork by Scott Koblish. It was okay. I just... I I found it very thin. Uh, I wasn't super into the storyline. Um... It's kind of a nice kind of done-in-one in terms of getting a, a guest star from a prominent or at least well-known, you know, celebrity writer, um, and Kobush does some, you know, fun art, but it just didn't quite work for me myself, uh, but I appreciate that they tried something different and exciting, and I'm going to give it a five, though, because I don't really think it worked for me. I think it kind of landed with a thud. Uh, next up is Superwoman. This is issue number four. This continues to be very entertaining. This is The the Haunting of Lana Lang, or Lang, I should say, by uh, Philly. Jimenez or Jimenez I apologize Uh, artwork by Emanuela Lupicino Uh, really liked the artwork I thought Lupicino did a great job and uh, definitely Jimenez was right when he said that she does just fantastic work Um, it's a nice counterbalance to his own work it's different but not too different in terms of sensibility and it still has a consistency of tone overall Um, strong story really kind of digging what's going on here Um, I I love how Lena Lang's being written Um, her interactions here with other people in her life her supporting cast this book remains kind of a a really hot ticket for me I think it's uh, well worth reading Uh, one of the better things I read this week in fact Uh, I think it's like the second 8 out of 10 I gave this week, which, considering that's my favorite rating, is kind of a big deal. And last, but definitely not least, we have Uncanny Avengers number 16. Uh, I really like the art here. Uh, It's artwork by Pepe Laraz, written by Jerry Dugan. Um, I think it was a little fast to already kind of bring back the, um, the Hulk's kind of body after he was murdered, but... As a thrall of the kind of the hand, I'm okay with it. Uh, there's a lot of action here. Um, there's a, a lot of you know kind of vibrance to everything that's going on. It definitely felt like a, a big a big issue, a big fights, big action. Um, it's, a, it's an exciting book. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I think Laura eyes does great artwork here. So I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. Uh, the books that did not get a chance to read some of the highlights included death stroke, detective comics, how Jordan, the green lantern Corps, new Superman, uh, wonder woman, Donald doc, re- uh, amazing spider man new year vows. Number one did not get around to it yet. Uh, black Panther world of Wakanda. Number one, uh, Gwen uh, invincible iron man. Number one, uh, the launch of that new book. Uh, apparently I missed all the big launches, uh, solo, um, Star Wars Pro Dameron, Uncanny X-Men, etc. Uh, if we look forward to the upcoming week, and by upcoming week, I mean two days ago, uh, November 16th, some of the highlights that have come out uh, that we'll be talking about next week on our reviews episode are uh, issues of Aquaman, Batman, Cyborg, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, uh, there's the... Uh, I'm not going to be talking about this on the show, but there is the Flash by Manipal and Bucciolato Omnibus, Um what else have we got here? We've got the new issues of Justice League. Uh, new Suicide Squad, Squad has a new trade paperback. New issues of Nightwing. Uh, Superman Trinity. Uh, over at uh, IDW, new issues of Uncle Scrooge, as well as Walt Disney Comics and the Stories, as well as G.I. Joe Revolution. Um, and then over at Marvel, we have new releases from Old New Wolverine. Amazing Spider-Man, which is a new uh, clone conspiracy tie-in. A new issue of Black Panther, of uh, Carnage, Deadpool, and... Um, Doctor Strange, Infamous Iron Man, Jessica Jones, Old Man Logan, Silk, Spider-Man... Uh, Squadron Supreme, Thanos is a, a new launch, as well as Uncanny Humans and the Uncanny X-Men Annual. So that's some of the stuff we'll be talking about on our next Reviews episode, which will be episode 427. Uh, in the meantime, episode 426, uh, it's going to be one of a couple things. It's either going to be a conversation with um, John Rhett Thomas, who's previously been on the show talking about the Marvel Masterworks line, and said this time he'll be talking about the uh, Marvel Epic Collections. That'll either be next episode, 426, or maybe 428, or 430. I have a uh, three episodes that I'm recording in a couple days. I haven't decided which one's going to be the next episode yet. Uh, One of them will be a conversation with Devin Grayson, as we'll be talking about her newly released uh, Doctor Strange novel called uh, The Fate of Dreams, which is actually really enjoyable. Uh, I just recently finished it. And then we're also going to be having a conversation with uh, celebrated DC writer John Ostrander. Uh, So that's some great stuff coming up in the coming weeks, Uh, so you'll you'll want to make sure to join us for those. If you want to email me, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, or listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for joining us, and we will catch you next time on Comic Shenanigans. Bye-bye!